On this premiere edition of Uncle and the Young Bucks, we tell you about who we are and why the hell we're doing this podcast. Then we look at the week that was, talk a little bit about the Browns, Indians, Cavs, and even the Buckeyes. We jump right into the OBJ press conference that happened on April 1st. We talk a little bit of March Madness basketball, and then Brandon pisses me off with his fixes to professional baseball. That's next on Uncle and the Young Bucks. Let's do this. take the time here to talk a little bit about who I am, uh, one of the co-hosts for Uncle and the Young Bucks, and, and then I'll pass it off to to my wonderful co-hosts so they can give a little background on them. And then we're going to do a, a quick little talk about uh, what we are expecting out of out of this podcast, what we hope to to be able to get back from, from the listeners and, and what we plan on returning to you guys. So my name is Brandon Bliley. I'm one of the co-hosts for Uncle and the Young Bucks. I am 22 years old. I live in downtown Cleveland. I work for Key Bank, and I've been a diehard Cleveland sports fan for as long as I can remember. Uh, one of my first memories in life was in 1997, the year I was born. I was actually at the infamous uh, Marlins versus Indians World Series game in Miami for uh, what was not a great memory as a kid. And uh, ever since then, I just remember always being an Indians, Browns, Cavs, Buckeyes fan for everything. And uh, um, it kind of runs through my blood. My dad was as well. And I'm, I'm very excited to be out having the opportunity to talk with uh, friends and uh, other other fans of my sports teams through through this podcast. Uh, Drew, do you want to take over and give a little bit of background information on you? Absolutely. My name is Drew Rucker. I'm 24. I graduated actually with Brandon from Ashland University last Ooh. December. Uh, we both had a good time up there. Uh, I also, uh, why would I not be a Cleveland fan? Uh, anybody that isn't is rather insane themselves. Um, same with same with me. Young age. Um, first thing I can remember is you know um, the Cavs. I think they were my first. My first true love, um, basketball was my thing when I was younger, before I kind of got into the the whole soccer side of things. Um, but Cleveland's been my, you know, my heart since I was younger, um, and that's why I want to be a part of this, and I'm excited to jump into this. Um, and with that, I'll shoot you over to Eric. That was beautiful. Beautiful, Drew. Hey, this is Eric, uh, Eric Fisher, actually. I'm illustrator on Twitter. A lot of you guys know me and you're familiar with my work. Uh, like everybody else and anyone that's going to be tuning into this podcast, lifelong Cleveland fan, it goes without saying. Two knuckleheads across from me, Brandon and Drew, reached out to me out of the blue and just said, hey, we'd like you to join our podcast. I had no idea who they were. They were just looking for a different perspective. Little did they know that I'm actually quite a bit older than they are. Uh, I'll say more mature because uh, I'm still not old, but I do have grown children that, uh, you know, could be their brother or sister. Uh, but no, I actually live in Atlanta, Georgia now, um, but a lifelong Browns fan, Indians fan, Cavs fan. When Bru- when Brandon, pardon me, when Brandon and Drew uh, reached out to me to do this, I've done podcasts in the past and this was just an, a tremendous opportunity. I like what they had to say and I hope that we can give you guys a great product uh, and have you coming back listening. We're going to book some good guests. 
We're going to just talk and we're going to be fans. Uh, we're not going to try to do anything special per se and, and, and go out of the box, but we're definitely going to put forth a great product, talk Cleveland sports, talk Buckeyes. And uh, obviously I am the uncle of the group and the two young bucks across from me. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, do just that and bring a lot of good information to you. So with that, I guess we can start today's episode. So we all know that the Browns had a press conference yesterday with Miles Garrett, Juice Landry, Baker Mayfield, and holy crap, OBJ, <laughs> April Fool's Day, are you kidding me? I thought it was a joke. No, seriously, though, the four of them up on the podium, that was a great day yesterday. So that was the first thing that was in the news. The other thing that was in the news was that, you know, it was Indians home, the home opener. In the eighth inning, they went down three to one. Turned around one five to three in the eighth. Uh, just it mind blowing what happens on those days. Uh, Drew, if you want to take on what's going on with the, the uh, Cavs right now, absolutely. Last night they uh, got to partake in the Tankathon. Uh, they played the Phoenix Suns. They also took an L, which is both good and bad for the Cavs. I think we're at uh, six straight now. That's positive. I'm all for tanking. Absolutely. I think they're one one game back of the Suns for the second spot in the draft order or the, the second best odds. I guess they're one through three all have the same odds, but, um, you know, sitting at two, you can't go any lower than five. So um, that's a good thing. We, could, we don't want to be winning too many more games down this last stretch. So and, uh, uh, the Buckeyes are getting just downright scary people. Uh, I'm a big Ryan Day advocate. And uh, the he's making some gains on the recruiting trail. We will get into that probably in some uh, episodes to come. But the class of 2020 is already off to a, a pretty good start, uh, headed by some of the best receivers in the entire nation. Um, looking forward to seeing Justin Fields throw some of these guys the ball here in in the coming years. So the the Buckeyes, although Meyer is out, still have a very promising future in front of them. Justin Fields, a uh, little anecdote here is he's actually a local kid down here in Atlanta. And my very good friend's stepdaughter graduated high school with him. And I've heard nothing but glowing things about the kid. I haven't met him personally, uh, but through a friend, uh, they say that that kid, we're going to love him uh, in Columbus. And I can't wait to see him throw. If um, I am correct, and I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but if I'm correct, I think he was on QB1, that uh, TV series, which Tate Martell was on. Um, and from what I was told, uh, Tate Martell came off like kind of a jerk. And Justin Fields, I think on either the same year as him or it was a year, the, the, the year following Tate Martell's year. I'm not familiar with, with which one it was. Uh, Justin Fields came off as an absolute amazing person, very polite, very kind, very thoughtful of others, an incredible work ethic. And uh, that sounds to me like an addition um, a net positive there for if Tate Martell has to walk, but you get Justin Fields, I'm not going to be the guy to complain about that. So very I much don't think we're going to see much of a fall off uh, from Haskins down to Fields. I really don't. In fact, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. You're going to get the throwing ability of Haskins uh, with the running ability that we were used to seeing with uh, JT Barrett or even going back to Troy Smith days. He, he can run the ball too, which is going to be fantastic. Well, Absolutely. you don't get a .9998 rating on 24-7 sports uh, as your recruiting ranking, only behind Trevor Lawrence, which, ah, uh, it's not like he didn't do anything pretty good this year, unless you have some incredible talent. So I think it's probably well-deserved for, for the Buckeye fans that, uh, although 
we have to see Haskins go, it seems like we've got something pretty good in the waiting. Absolutely. So, hey, do you guys want to talk about that press conference yesterday with OBJ and, and uh, your takes on it and uh, how excited the city and all of Brown's kingdom is about this? Uh, I mean, might as well talk about it. It is the elephant in the room. Yeah, absolutely. Let me jump in here. Uh, you know, I think Odell just came off as someone very genuine. Um, he wasn't trying to be anybody but himself. Um, and anybody, any of the stories you hear from, you know, people within that organization that aren't, you know, Pat Shermer or any of the coaching staff um, who seemed who seemed like they had something against him um, from the get go. Uh, anybody you you know you hear stories from inside that organization had great things to say about him. Um, you know, teammates had great things to say. You know, obviously Landry and Baker. I've known him for a long time, so um, that connection with them is is also something that's that's going to be pretty awesome to see. Um, but you know, it just it just felt like there was you know an energy um, at that press conference that we probably haven't had. You know, at a press conference like that in, in a very, very long time. In energy. It was a straight love fest. I'm sitting here at work, uh, and I, I hope other KeyBank members aren't listening to this. I'm sitting here at work watching the actual video feed, getting chills, listening to this stuff. I, I'm sitting at work listening to a press conference of men getting introduced to a professional sports teams like it's Christmas morning, pumping my fists because I got, like, the present that I wanted – even though it's just people getting introduced to a team, uh, the weird, the weirdness behind how Cleveland sports fans get joy out of the smallest things when when things are going right, it just blows my mind. But it it's absolutely stunning to me how much of a love fest that was from hearing hearing Freddie Kitchens talk and, and the classic whoop the hell. That guy is incredible. I can't wait for. Our, T-shirt companies honestly should just hire him because they're going to just create slogans from him just having normal conversations the entire year. And if, if there isn't already a gazillion T-shirt shops in Cleveland, Freddie Kitchens is going to be on every single one of them if he isn't already. Uh, love fest completely. Uh, one other comment. Why the heck was Miles Garrett there, to be honest? He got asked like one question, answered it perfectly, and then everyone was like back to the offensive side of the ball. I didn't even give a crap about Miles Garrett. I think Miles Garrett actually, is one of the most interesting people to talk to talk about. I wish we would have talked to him. Well, actually, I, I I think it was actually weird that they have Denzel Ward there as well because I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to show that this is a team. And not only is this a team, but we have stars. And so the only star that was really, truly missing on that podium was Denzel Ward. You Don't might need even to jump in, but him. you were missing the young buck, quite literally. <laughs> you were. And it's funny you might even go out on a limb and say they were actually missing Kareem Hunt too, but I realize there's so much baggage right now with Kareem Hunt that you don't want to put him up there and and, and taint what it was an overly positive day. Uh, but no, I think that was the message they were trying to put forth is just that, hey, this is a team and we've got four stars, especially for a team that over the past 20 years has been very lackluster and we haven't had that one guy. Not only do we have one guy, but we have four, five, we might even have six guys. And with most of them on offense right now, I mean, it was more of a, it was a reassurance to the fans, but I think it was more or less a statement to the rest of the NFL that says the Browns are here and we're back. Absolutely. Is it just me guys or is Mary Kay out to like literally get Odell before he's even had a chance in Cleveland? 
Did you guys see the uh, the tweet about her saying, uh, you know, the the whole Freddie Kitchens, if you don't wear brown and orange, you don't matter, and how Odell walked in looking like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with different colors, mm-hmm. and how Odell is already, you know, tempting Freddie Kitchens' mantra of of wearing orange and brown. Like, is she out to get Odell? I, I, I've had some really uh, um, iffy feelings about how, how she's kind of approached him since he's moved here, and all the questions that she had – we're kind of putting him in like an awkward, uh, the me painting him as like the me me first guy. I don't care about the team. I thought he handled them all very well, but uh, I, I think Mary Kay might have something to get Odell already. Yeah, I don't I don't understand you know where she's coming from on that. Um, her and and uh, Tony Grossi, um, you know, him as well. He's He's way, way, way worse than she is, and I, you know, normally she, I don't, I don't see her as someone that is, is acting like that. But I don't know, you know, if it's Odell that's bringing that out in her or what. But it's that is very, that was very, very odd. Well, I kind of see it, it. Look at it a different way: is we've had nothing in twenty years to be positive about. We've had two thousand two as our only playoff season where we lost to the Steelers. We, but other than that, and that one blip on the radar where we went ten and six with Derek, Derek Anderson, Anderson at the helm, <laughs> we really haven't had that much positive to talk about. So I think there's going to be this adjustment in Cleveland media. Uh, a lot of it's going to be steered by podcasts like this one, and other ones. There's a ton of great podcasts out there. But I think what's going to happen is we've been so negative on the Browns for so long. That's all we know. That's all we know how to do. And here we have this amazing positive opportunity in front of us. And I think even our local Cleveland sports media has to adjust to that. They're always looking for something negative to talk about. And here, Mary Kay may have been nitpicking a little bit, but I get what she was trying to do. And I don't know if it was for clicks uh, or just trying, you know, hey, think of it this way, too. Right now, the plane dealer is in dire straits and they've been laying off people left and right. And they're a they're a skeleton crew. So they're they're fighting for their job. So, you know, I can see both sides of it. I mean. If she's driving traffic, and she, I think she's going to be fine as the Browns beat reporter because, yeah, like great. everything else in Cleveland, the Browns drive the economy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't see it that way. I don't see where she was trying to you know, necessarily point out something negative. I don't know why she even pointed out what he was wearing. I don't know why it mattered. Hell, he could have came dressed in a burlap sack, and I wouldn't have given a damn. It's <laughs> OBJ, for God's sake. I got the man's back all right. No matter if he was even wearing clothes or not. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think we all agree the press conference. Uh, when was the last time somebody didn't win the press conference in Cleveland? We we always win the press conference. It seems like, or at least we never say we don't. So it was a good press conference. I don't think anybody would argue that. I'm super hyped about it. I, I know everybody else who was probably listening in. I don't know why you wouldn't be excited about hearing Baker Mayfield back up Odell Beckham when when asked. You know, you know, is this guy selfish? He's like he's here and, and he stood up for him right away. Uh, Baker is is going to compete just as hard as, as Odell. I don't see any reason why anybody wouldn't think that was you know an amazing press conference. Uh, the Browns are heading in the right direction. I think we all see that. Jumping over to a team where uh, maybe not heading as in much of a, a positive upsloping direction. Talking about the Cavs, I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking Colin Sexton might actually be up for. Uh, First team all rookie this year. I, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the stats as of recent, but the guy's leading the NBA in rookies for a, a few different things and is top five for nearly all of the stuff that matters. Uh, points, 
most 10-point games, assists, uh, obviously not rebounds, but steals. Uh, a lot of good stats are, are coming Colin Sexton's way, especially as of late, which has been good as, uh, you know, the Cavs have seemed to take a, a much better approach on on how to play the season out, which is giving him a lot of minutes, letting him shoot the ball a lot, letting him learn, and, you know, letting him get that in-game experience. Do you guys think the Cavs are, A, heading in the right direction, and, B, does Colin Sexton deserve to be on the all-rookie team this year? Well, Drew, I know you're the Cavs uh, guy here, so the only thing I'm going to say is I I watched him a little bit at Alabama. He's from Marietta, Georgia, so I got to see a little bit of him locally. Uh, you know, I've been down here in Atlanta for 15 years now, so I, I got to see a lot of these these players uh, a little more than, you know, maybe some people outside the SEC didn't get to see them. But the big thing I want to point out here is he came into the league as a 19-year-old. 19 years old. He just turned 20, I think, in January. The kid's got a lot of growth to, to, to go. Look at what happened with Kyrie his first season and how we were all down on Kyrie and why the heck would we draft this kid out of Duke, number one, when he hardly played in college. And look what Kyrie turned out to be. A Colin dick. Sexton is – yeah, he did. To be. <laughs> <laughs> but Colin Sexton is not going to be a Kyrie. But I will tell you what, if you look at their games, they're not that dissimilar. And, and people will blast me for even trying to compare him to Kyrie, because but he's not. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is he's got a lot of room for growth, and he's there's a lot of parts of his game that you know I like a lot. Maybe not for a point guard, but I think he's going to be okay. Drew? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, talking about you know the similarities uh, between him and Kyrie, um, you know, they're both they're both probably more considered two guards, um, maybe undersized two guards. Um, Colin, you know, to start to start the year, um, getting drafted by the Cavs, uh, Kevin Love resigning, you know, cut bringing in the core that we had. Um, even I thought, you know, heck, he has a decent year. You know, we'll be contending for a playoff spot. Kevin Love goes down. You get Tristan Thompson who misses, you know, a month and a half, two months. Uh, Larry Nance gets hurt. We well, trade Col- everybody. Yeah, Colin Sexton goes from, you know, being the second, third, fourth option on a team to being the man. Um, that's a lot of pressure for a 19-year-old. I couldn't imagine it. Um, and, you know, as as the team started getting healthier, he started finding things. The game started slowing down. Um, his His jumper has came to him. He's shooting... 40% from three, which is better than Kyrie. Oh my goodness. Incredible. Um, shooting 42% from the field, which that that's going to have to improve, but you know, that'll, that'll come. Um, he's, it's just starting to slow down for him. He picked, I think he had seven or eight straight games that he had 24 points. He almost set the Cavs uh, rookie record in that. Um, you know, I think, I think they're going the right direction. Um, I think they could, probably trade off some guys uh this this summer uh jr um his contract is very very tradable um maybe try to get someone to take tristan's contract that's going to open up some money you know depending on what draft picked um the Cavs get you know will also help depending on you know where they sit on you know one two or three hopefully um get one of those top three picks 
But I think, uh, you know, as much crap as this kid took to start the year and as, you know, as bad as it looked, he was efficiently the worst draft picked in the draft. Um, but he's he's got himself, you know, consistently back up to where he should be as far as what you want his numbers to be. Um, so I think, you know, long term, I think this, you know, the sky, the sky is very bright with this kid. Agreed. And for all of the people who vote for, you know, rookie of the year, obviously, I don't think he deserves to win rookie of the year. Luka Doncic's got that more locked up than Ben Simmons did in his fifth year of basketball. <laughs> but um, for all of the people that are listening to our podcast, the, 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 the crowd and the millions, all the people that are voting for, you know, all the people who should be on the rookie team of the year, give this guy some consideration. As as Drew said, uh, the three-point percentage, I think, is leading the NBA for rookies. It, it, the numbers are better than Kyrie's in terms of the 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 number of three-pointers made, the percentage at which they're going in. I'm not trying to say this kid's Kyrie, uh, but, but there are some comparisons to be made, the undersized two-guard. But talking about how, you know, Colin Sexton is kind of playing point guard, but he's kind of more of a two-guard, Brings me into an interesting player that is being talked about right now as a potential pick for the Cavs, John Morant, which gets me thinking, what are you guys thinking about the draft for this year? I know the, you know, the odds have changed and, and the system is a little different. So being the worst team, the NBA doesn't, it's not nearly as lucrative as it used to be, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. We'll see how it plays out. But for me, in my personal opinion, I'm of the opinion that if you don't have the first or second pick and get the chance at a Zion Williams or a John Morant, that this season was not a total failure. The development of Colin Sexton was great, and and Jetty has has improved, continue to improve. I think those are players that are pieces that will be here for multiple years. But what do you guys think, if at all, is there anybody past Zion or John Morant that's even worth considering? Zion's teammates, R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, I think um, I was listening today to something I can't remember, but Cam Reddish, I, I think, is going to be that diamond in the rough where because Duke was so loaded, his minutes and his play opportunities and his shots just weren't there because they just couldn't spread the ball around. So, I mean, if we're drafting third or fourth, uh, you know, R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish, to me, you know, you just go right back to that Duke pipeline. I, I don't know what you think, Drew, but that's where my thoughts are. Uh, I don't even know if John Morant's going to go second, to be honest with you. He might be there third or fourth yeah absolutely um you you know as far as whoever gets the number one pick there's no way i mean it's going to be very hard for a team to pass up zion even if they feel like rj long term might be the better player just because you know the media the publicity zion's going to bring he's going to sell tickets immediately the buzz behind him is going to be insane um i my feeling is I think RJ will be probably the best of all of them in the draft. I think you're going to be able to plug him in, and I think he's going to be a, a multi-time all-star. Um, and I think he could get it early on, and it's not he's not going to be flashy like Zion, but I feel like Zion, as big as he is, he's going to be a little undersized, for a power forward and he's not going to be big enough to play the three i mean you look at you look at lebron durant you know they're six eight six eleven zion is going to be playing the three at six five six four um and a little bit bigger but his athleticism is going to have to make up for that that size 
Um, I like Ja Morant a lot just because of the vision he brings. Uh, you know, Brandon and I talked a little bit about this earlier. Um, you know, he he's able to, at Murray State, you know, make some of the passes that he's making. And then you're going to translate that to the NBA where the floor is just going to be even more wide open. You're going to have, you know, at Murray State, he might have had, you know, one or two good shooters around him. NBA, he's going to have guys, you know, hopefully he'll have guys all around him that are going to be able to shoot the ball. That's going to make his job a whole lot easier. Um, but RJ is, you know, I think Jaw probably is, you know, the best, has the best vision, the best passer in the class. I think RJ Barrett's right behind him in that aspect. Um, not so I, fast, not so fast. <laughs> I refuse to accept RJ Barrett as a top three pick. I refuse to accept it. I don't, it, it's rejected, putting my stamp of disapproval on it. That guy is a can't, he is going to be a cancer to a team. This is a very strong hot take here. I'm very passionate about this. This guy shoots the ball so dang much, and they are bad shots. I am talking low quality shots in traffic that are not a high percentage make. He turns the ball over fairly decent, and I'm not that impressed with the defense. I am a, R.J. Barrett is overrated guy, and I, I don't want to draft him. We already have a guy who is going to need if if Colin Sexton remains on this team and we continue to you know to it's to see him develop. He's a ball dominant player. Uh, R.J. Barrett and him would not coexist well on the same court. John Morant. Yeah, could. but is that a, is that a is that because Duke is so loaded and because he doesn't get the touches that Zion seems to get, be getting? You know, he may take bad shots because those are the only shots he's able to get. Uh, you know, if he has to defer to 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 Cam or to to Zion, you know, it, maybe that explains it. Because I don't know, I I wouldn't jump that far off R.J. Barrett because prior to the season, if I'm not mistaken, Drew, correct me if I'm wrong, R.J. Barrett was the number one going in. Absolutely, you are yeah. correct. Yeah, he was number one. Zion was number two. Um, and well, look I, how that look how that script totally flipped when they actually got to playing. If you tell me at any point this season that the best offensive play that that Duke team had was to not feed the ball to Zion and then fall asleep and just watch him do it, then you were wrong. I don't know if you, how much you guys watched Duke play this year, but they did not look that fluid. They weren't making shots from outside the arc other than Cam Reddish. Barrett would hoist up. 10 plus a game and would make a couple. Some nights he was on and, and those nights is when he had his high scoring nights, but that team didn't flow that well because they had too much scoring talent that I, they couldn't spread the ball well enough. And it was just so much easier to just give the ball to Zion and say, all right, go to work, buddy. And, and, and the job would get done. So maybe I can see your point. Maybe that's drawing some of the bad shots from Barrett. But when you have people as talented as that Duke team did literally at every position, you know, why not hold out for the best shot? Like Cam Reddish should have shot the ball, and, and he did when Zion was out. But when Zion was healthy, Cam Reddish should have shot the ball, you know, half as many times as R.J. Barrett, and he wasn't. He was shooting the ball, you know, minimal compared to what Barrett was. Uh, and, and I think that that's maybe partly to your point that Reddish has some incredible potential that I don't think we've seen yet. Uh, just because of the team that he's been playing on. And that's interesting. Reddish is one of my guys I also think has that diamond in the rough capability who isn't going to have the incredible production numbers that you saw in college for some of the other guys that you're going to see at the top of the draft board. But 
I think he's going to be a sneaky good pick in the NBA. And I like. I think so as well. So I, I think he, I think he's going to be uh, the, the the player that when we look back in the 2019 draft, we're going to look back and say, why wasn't he a top three pick? He may fall down to nine or ten, uh, but he, he's going to be the guy that we're, everyone's going to say, wow, where did he come from? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think anybody that you talk to that um, you know was close to that team said that he kind of got off to a rough start, and it just kind of, it was just kind of like a narrative with him all year. He just he just couldn't get it going, you know, as much as he would have liked to, and I think that just kind of, you know, kind of weighed down on him. You know, the longer the season went on, um, I know that would be tough. You know, you don't get off to a start on a, a good team like you want to. Um, and you see, you know, you see your your friends just going out there and, you know, tearing it up and you're struggling. It, you know, it makes it even harder on yourself. Getting off of Duke here because uh, we're not even <laughs> supposed to be Duke fans, but uh, obviously the, the player talent they've had is incredible. And uh, if you're a team who is picking towards the top of the draft, which we will be for apparently ever, if you're a Cavs fan now, LeBron's gone. It, it is kind of important for us to know about Duke, but sticking with college basketball, I'm not sure you guys' connection to March Madness this year. I've been a lot uh, more distant because I was actually in Europe where they don't give a crap about basketball nearly as much. Uh, so I didn't get to see as many games as I would have liked to. But uh, give me your guys' take on the Final Four. Are you excited about the storyline or maybe lack thereof without uh, you know without a team, a fire team like UNC or Duke being in there? What, do you, what are you guys thinking so far for, for the well, Final Four and how March Madness has gone? I'm thinking, well, first of all, the best basketball game I have seen in years was Purdue-Tennessee. Absolutely. Uh, that game was just nuts. And the back and forth. Uh, and actually, quite frankly, they should have beat Virginia. Uh, and that's why I don't think Virginia is going to go any anywhere in this tournament. I've got uh, Michigan State and Auburn. I don't even have, uh, I don't even have uh, Virginia getting past Auburn, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think it's going to be Michigan State, Auburn, and then I think it's a toss-up. But uh, I can't take the SEC or the Big Ten. I'm going Sparty. About time Big Ten wins one. <laughs> um, you know, coming into the tournament, um, Texas Tech was my team. I just like defensively what they brought. Um, they've got a probably it'll end up being a top seven pick in Jared Culver. Um, very, very good player. Very, very good defensively. Um, he's kind of their defensive catalyst in that team. Um, I think he, they're going to make it very hard on Michigan State. Um, so I think I'm going to go Texas Tech and Auburn. And I think I'm going to give Texas Tech the slight advantage um, just because of how good they are defensively. I think they'll be able to score enough points on a you know, an Auburn team who's lost one of one of their better players uh, earlier on in the tournament. Well, dang, you guys are really, uh, really on the Bruce Pearl train. I, uh, who I've actually had the chance to meet Bruce Pearl. He's not nearly as uh, much of a villain as I think a lot of people make him out to be. He was nothing but nice to me. Um, obviously, very small sample size, but I am actually going against Bruce Pearl because a 16 seed beat a one seed last year. And that is going to be the best storyline ever when Virginia turns around, beats Auburn, makes it to the national championship game, and beats Texas Tech, who out who ousted who 
gets rid of, sorry, gets <laughs> rid of Michigan State in an extremely defensive-minded battle. Uh, you saw or probably heard of the Texas Tech-Michigan game in which no team scored more than a point, it seemed like, throughout the entire course of the game. Texas Tech is going to lock up Michigan State. They're going to you know, find out how to best take care of the best players on that team and make other guys step up. And I don't think it's going to be able to, I don't think Michigan state who is, who is deep to their, to their credit. I don't think they'll be able to do it on the stage uh, when they're asked to, if they take away Winston and, and, and force other players to step up. I see Texas tech beating Michigan state and, and I see maybe the lowest scoring point total in an, in in a, in a, college basketball final game ever with uh, the two best defensive teams I consider in the nation with Texas Tech and Virginia. And I, I just see Virginia's length and, and uh, a guy named Guy stepping up and, uh, and, and somehow pulling off a win in, in an extremely low-scoring game where the most popular bet will be betting the under, of course. So I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking Virginia – UMBC, sorry, you guys, uh, you got them last year, but but I got them this year, and that that's kind of how I, how I how I think it's going to play out. So, guys, we've covered you know the Cavs, we talked about the Browns and, and the interesting press conference. Let's talk about the team that is you know just getting underway, who's been very exciting over the past couple of years, and although maybe the excitement isn't nearly as much this year with the cost saving you know the cost saving measurements that the team's been going through. Um, but I definitely think we should talk about the Indians and the home opener that just happened yesterday. What, what, what do you guys think? I, I can't imagine a world where the Indians don't have an amazing pitching staff to bail us out every single night because our bats haven't been able to rally the past couple seasons to be, to be able to compete with our starting pitching. Um, but, but I'm really glad the team won. Uh, Eric, I saw that you were tweeting, uh, this would be a very important win after, you know, after the team, had you know gotten off to a slumpy start with a divisional rival and uh the team had kind of lost its uh flame over over the off season with with fans just because of getting rid of some big yeah, players th- there's a lot of angst right now in the fan base and what i was getting to is I, I was trying to point out the fact that yesterday if there was a must win in april in the first week of the season the home opener against a division rival after being down one and two in the division after you you know you blow it in Minnesota basically, which by the way Minnesota is going to push us in this division all year long. Agreed. But anyhow, that yes, that was a must win. So when well, I mean, Sox, we're still alive. Yeah. Well, when the Shy Sox <laughs> went up three one after we had the one zero lead in the sixth, they went up three one in the eighth, and this max. Mass exodus happened at Jacobs Field. Pardon me, Progressive Field. I will do that from time to time. It's still the Jake to me. But anyhow, this mass exodus happened. And I, you know, I'm watching on TV and I'm like, oh my gosh, no, not this, not the whole attendance thing again. Because I, you know, I, I get tired of the attendance talk and I get tired of ownership and, you know, radio personalities and podcasters falling back on this whole attendance thing because I think it's a lot more. There's a lot more nuance to the the financials of the Indians than just the attendance, but that I I, I you know I digress. But no, that was a must-win game. So in the bottom of the eighth, bases loaded, and when Max Moroff and I I even said I was like who? I mean I watched some spring training games and I even forgot that the guy was on the damn team, let alone <laughs> batting and playing second base for us. When he hit that ball, I went holy crap! Who is this kid? 
but then uh, when it was, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, was up the bat. Uh, oh, Roberto Perez. When he walked, I was so stoked because I saw <laughs> Chief Wahoo on his face mask. I'm a staunch Chief Wahoo supporter. I know we a are a pro that. Chief Wahoo supporting podcast. Yeah, deal with it. it. So when he got walked, I immediately was like, ah, it was the power of Chief Wahoo because <laughs> walked in that, that tying run. Uh, no, but it, but very honestly, guys, no, that was a must-win game. Um, I think what that what that win does is it calms down the fan base a little bit because in Cleveland there's a football mentality. We apply this football mentality to basketball and to baseball, and very unfairly, I might say, to baseball. 162 games, it's not the same sport, uh, but we always – let me just put it this way. Had we lost that game, the, the entire city would have been burning down. The conversations this morning – on you know on our favorite radio stations would have been all negative about the indians and oh my god what are we gonna do and this and that no so yes yesterday was a must-win game i'm very impressed that the bats bailed out the bullpen uh our bullpen needs work i still think that we have some work to do i still think we need to get some arms in the bullpen to make up for the ones that we lost and we definitely need an outfielder and i would i, I by the way guys i don't know how you feel about this but i don't know why uh, Greg Allen is not starting. It, it it blows my mind. I don't know what Tito's doing, but Greg Allen needs to be starting. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a fantastic game. Uh, Brandon, I don't know if you watched it. Drew, did you watch it? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh you know very up and down. Um, you know, Clevenger comes in and just just dropping dudes left and right. Um, and I was like, man, career high, uh, I believe, for strikeouts. Yeah, twelve strikeouts. Hey. I'm telling you, if Kluber and or Bauer are not on this roster in two, three years, Clevenger will be your ace. And he was he was on fire last night. And I also want to say this. I want to throw this in. Thank you, Mike Clevenger, for picking the red jerseys. Because even though we're all a little upset that Chief Wahoo's not out there, man, those red jerseys, I didn't like them at first, but they were fire yesterday. Brings back the good old days of the the V-necks they had. Those were the best. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you know, Clevenger playing as well as he did. Um, you know, you know, I was really hoping the offense could give him some support. Um, and then, you know, to see see the bullpen take over and kind of, you know, hit an error here and end up blowing that game. I felt really bad for him. Um, and then the the more I sat there, you know, it just it just felt like a, you know, a bad dream and I, you know, to see the White Sox, you know, who, you know, played pretty decently well through, you know, a couple of those innings, turned back into, you know, the normal Chicago White Sox that we know of the past couple of years um, and, and start throwing, you know, balls left and right and, you know, giving us a little help on a day where a little we, bad probably it. <laughs> we probably needed it. We probably needed it. You know, we'll take a win however we can get it. Yeah, I uh, I just keep coming back to the fact that did somebody say that the bullpen blew it? Because that's that's never been an issue for the Cleveland Indians, especially within the past year, right? Like that's that's just it's never been something we've had to worry about. It's not like we had Andrew Miller leave or our closer leave. Like that's not a problem, right, guys? That is killing me. Why why is the bullpen not improved? Why are we not spending money on the bullpen? I get I get the acquisition of Simber in hand. But don't tell me this is a complete bullpen or that there's no more work that needs to be done there. 
that was no, such an area of issue this offseason, and it wasn't the addressed. O- the only the only one that really bothered me a lot from last year was Andrew Miller. Um, and I know that he might be on the downslide, uh, and his numbers definitely weren't the same after his injuries. Uh, that was the one signing that I wish they had at least brought him back just to kind of give us a little more confidence in the performance of the bullpen. Uh, but like Brad Hand, I mean, look, he's he's going to prove to be a better reliever or a better closer than Cody Allen was. Uh, so I'm I'm okay with our closer role, and not, not only that, but he's a lefty. Uh, you know, we do need a lot of uh, a lot of help in the mid, uh, the middle innings, and everything. It, I think what's going to happen, you're going to find out with these proposed rule changes for 2020, where a pitcher comes in. There's Tito's not going to be allowed to play these. You know, bringing a lefty to face a lefty and then pull, come back around and pull a righty in to face a righty. Next year, you got to you're going to have to face a minimum of three batters. So I think you're going to see a lot a lot of differences in the bullpen. And I'm not saying that they're going to try to build this year's bullpen for next year's set of rules, but you can kind of see that that's where they're headed. Uh, but we definitely need to address it. There's there's arms available out there. We need to go and get them. Um, it's just I don't want to see. Three pitchers on our, our staff, maybe four, be in talks for a Cy Young and have a 15 and six record or something. And, you know, because all their other stats are going to look phenomenal, but their win loss records are going to look terrible because they're going to leave the game with a 1 0 lead and the bullpen blows it. And that's going to drive me nuts all season. Uh, and I'm, I'm just hopeful that Antonetti. And Dolan allows Antonetti in the front office to go and and make some some moves. Yeah, I think my my blood pressure uh, certainly benefits from getting rid of Cody Allen. That that guy was a heart attack waiting to happen every time he stepped onto the mound. He did a good job. Don't get me wrong. He he did a good job and and you know was a productive player for us. But every time he threw the ball in there and it came right over the plate and the guy just luckily didn't swing, I was having a heart attack watching. And I got to say, I'm not too upset that we don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, I, I do think Hand is, is an upgrade long term. I like that he's under team control for a while. Same with Simber. I like the the submarine arm. Give me a different look. Keep it, you know, keep people on edge. It's not something that people see every day. Just changing up, you know, the angle at which the ball is coming in. I think that makes a, a big difference for when people are hitting. You know, I'm really interested to see, especially like you said, Tito is the, you know, one of the proposed masters of how to navigate around a bullpen, um, especially, you know, over the past couple of years. And that's been something people have said, you know, we really appreciate what Tito brings to a team. I'm really interested to see how that's going to affect the league. I am so interested to see how these new rule changes are going to affect the league. Uh, One thing that I think I can do is it's just simple. I can just fix professional baseball right here and then, um, I know Eric is going to, you know, have the animated steam coming out of both of his ears and, and be extremely red as as maybe as orange as his Twitter AV. But um, I'm thinking that I can just fix professional baseball here with a few steps. Step number one. Don't piss me off. Don't piss. OK, well, step number one. Don't piss Eric off. Step number two, ignore step number one and say what step number three is. Step number three is you need to shorten the season. 150 plus games? It doesn't matter. How how can you be a fan and be interested on a random Tuesday night when 
there's nothing, you know, even if there's nothing going on, if it's not like beautiful summertime weather and you can go to a game, I, I can't say that people who aren't diehards are going to be interested in games. I, I think, and it's, it's <laughs> might never happen. It might never happen because the league is never going to give up revenue, but shortened damn season. It's, it's gotta happen. There are too many games. One of the big advantages to other sports, you know, leagues is that there's fewer games and they all matter. So everyone's tuning in. You can't miss them because you know, they're must wins each week. Unlike random games in the middle of the week when you, you get home waiting from work and you have no interest in, in watching a game that ends zero to one. Eric, if if you have to curse me, step right in. But I'm going to move on to my next. Yeah, my next it, it's not going to happen. And and here's the and just let me rebut here real quick. It's going to stay at 162. Baseball is a game of tradition. We've already done so much changing of the game. I mean, look at progressive field, for God's sakes. They took out, I don't know, thousands of seats, put in a bar in right field. It's cool out there. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I've hung out there. It's don't it's awesome. I love it. The bar. I'm mocking it because you know why? <laughs> I don't go to the baseball game to socialize. I go to the baseball game to watch a baseball game. And it, it's what it is, is and, I, and I'm not knocking the young bucks, but here is Uncle Eric over here saying, Be careful. <laughs> it's, it's about the baseball. Yes, you go to the, the, to the baseball field for the enjoyment of the game and the surroundings and all the happenings around the game. And I realize we have to bring younger fans in, but if you guys take your noses out of your phone every once in a while, look up and see what's happening, you'll see that this is the most beautiful game in the world. I am the Browns and the Indians are one a and one B for me. And every day they flip. I love the game of baseball. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. The problem is, is that people are expecting something of baseball that it's never been. Baseball has always been this beautiful game, 27 up, 27 down, nine innings, pitching. It's batter versus pitcher. It's There's beauty to it. I hate to say it, but baseball might be too highbrow for this generation. Old, naive Uncle Eric. Oh, <laughs> how I could share with you my Let youth and wisdom. Uh, why is baseball on the decline then? All the numbers go it's and not. show and support it's that not. it's losing interest at an overall basis. It's not. Look at the TV ratings. The TV ratings are actually up. Cleveland actually has some of the highest TV ratings of all of Major League Baseball. That's it's because not, our first but, our first month of games are played the, in, in in snow. I think it's snow. Well, I know, but I think no some of the biggest the issues with, some of the biggest issues with baseball are the fact that you know the salaries are up, ticket prices are up, concessions are up, and it, it, these things are out of whack with today in you know today's society. In a football game, you yes, the ticket prices are outrageous at football games, but that's once a week. So families can, you know, make that an event and go to do with baseball with 81 home games. You know, you can't necessarily go to 81 home games, afford for a family of four, you know, to go buy tickets and then, you know, to buy hot dogs and drinks and all that stuff, because then it automatically becomes more expensive. It becomes the most expensive sport out there, including basketball. I kind of like what dollar dog night a dollar dog night's awesome. 
But I, it kind of like what they're doing down here in Atlanta at uh, new Mercedes-Benz Dome, which is phenomenal, by the way. The best sports venue I've ever been to. If you guys ever had a chance to come down here, you must go to a game there. It's I think phenomenal. I know what you're about to say, and if it's what I, what I think, then it's the greatest thing on earth. Please proceed. I was going to say Arthur Blank down here, what he did is he put out basically – bottom you know bargain bottom pricing on all popular menu items your hamburgers your hot dogs your even your beer and your sodas they're all like under five six dollars so you can come to a ball game yeah you might pay a premium price for a ticket but you can eat a family of four can eat for under 30 bucks you can't eat that anywhere else amen so i think what's what's (laughs) happening is is it's not the game i think it's everything else around the game um, and, and that's just my personal opinion. I mean, cause I'm still, again, yeah, I'm, I'm the old guy here. I still right, love going to baseball far, games. Eric. You're not, you're not 70. You, you know, no, I'm not 70. I'm not, the guy, I'm not the guy in the stands. I'm not the guy in the stands scoring the, you know, with my pencil and a scorebook scoring <laughs> it like the old guys. No, but, but again, there is a difference. I can tell a difference when I've gone to a game. I know that it's, they've added all this hoopla around it here, down here in Georgia, SunTrust Field. They, they actually have this alleyway back behind the stadium and it's got all these different attractions and bars and they've, you know, speed pitch and run the bases, see how fast you can run down to first and zip lines and, and just all this distractive stuff. That's not baseball. You can't even see the baseball field from the alleyway to me. I don't know. That isn't baseball. I don't go to a baseball game for a carnival. I go to the baseball game to watch a baseball game. And I think that's, you know, hey, I might get some hate for it, but I just think baseball is is it's being compared to football and basketball, and it's not the same thing, guys. Yeah, so. I, I, I let me jump in here real quick. Um, you know, talking about, I think the millennial generation, as we like to call it, has kind of got a different viewpoint on you know what they look for going to the ballpark, and I think that's why a lot of what you saw, you know, the changes. Um, at progressive field uh that's that's why those were there um and then you know being a, a millennial you know brandon and i um i'm not your your typical millennial who's you know goes to the game sitting on their phone the whole time um drew statin with a paper and pencil next uh, to the old dude not quite <laughs> but um you know i'm there i'm there to enjoy you know is as much baseball as i can get out of you know if that's nine innings nine innings if that's you know 35 innings let's go for it you know i'll call off work tomorrow um but you know something that you know a little just a side note something cool that um you know fantasy's really taken over um you know sports now and has made you know football definitely popular um there's there's a cool game called micro fantasy i don't know if either you two have have heard of it um not a but it's basically um, it's it's an app that you can get on, and you know you go into whatever game you're sitting at. So you know the Indians and the White Sox, and you go in there and you predict, you know what each at bat's gonna the outcome for each at bat. So you know you predict a home run on a certain at bat. If you get it right, you get so many points. Um, and, and the guy who started it, um, it was it was a dad. And his son, and they were just playing, you know, predicting each at bat at a game, and you know, it kind of give his son something to, you know, kind of keep him, you know, on task. 
Um, I love it. I love it. That's a that's fantastic brilliant. idea because that keeps the fans engaged in the game and what's going to field. And hey, and it kind of ties in the younger generation that can stare at their phone while they're watching the game. Uh, that, that Drew, I love it. I love it. I'm okay I, with that. Absolutely. Um, and that's something. Um, the guy who who will run most of those games, um, he he tries to get to as many games as he can to kind of call it live. Um, but when he's not there, he's just sitting at home. Um, and so everything, you know, if you're sitting at home, you can play it, it, it as well too. Um, and there's, um, I, there's gift, like gift card giveaways for like, you know, the top, the top person in each, uh, they do it by each, uh, each set of three innings, they'll reset. So if you're winner one, you know, the first three innings, the second three, the last three, he gives away gift cards. And I think like, at the end of the season, he gets uh, – they have, like, an awards, you know, whole whole awards thing up in Cleveland. And I think two years ago, he gave the winner um, – the la- of the last day of the season, he gave the winner tickets to the World Series if they got that far. And some dude ended up getting, you know, getting a ticket to the World Series. That's fantastic. Brandon, all right, how else are you going to make me mad with baseball? So this one, this one, this one, I, I don't even necessarily. So, by the way, I'm not an advocate for zip lines at, at, at baseball. That That is that is disgraceful to the game. It's disgraceful to any sporting venue to have that there. You won't see me advocating for that. I'm not advocating for distractions at the ballpark. I'm just trying to figure out ways that I think will keep people more interested throughout the game. Uh, I think shortening shortening the season definitely helps personally because there's more less games which makes each game theoretically more important another thing and this is just a general concept that many different things kind of play into you know what is what is a big complaint two what are the two biggest complaints a- about baseball one the games are what people quote unquote say are too long or it's you know the longest professional sporting event um, not true not true. NFL football games are three, three and a half hours. Now they're right on par, but go yeah, on. But, you, but you're throwing in like a, a, a half hour halftime show. And, and that's like, I think that's like in terms of time being played. 15 minutes for a regular season, 15 minutes, but go on. So, so let's say, let's say people complain about baseball dragging on too much. or There's not, maybe not enough action. That's what some people say. Hey, I'll I'm tell you what, part you know, what's longer than a baseball game. The last three minutes of an NBA basketball game. <laughs> yeah, I'm a basketball fan, but dang, I can't watch that stuff. I, I, I'll agree with you on that. But but we need to shorten just a general concept, maybe shorten games, maybe shorten the time in between innings. Uh, you know, that's just a general concept. And then what is another big thing? And this is a problem with soccer. I know Drew and I understand this very well. A big complaint about people who don't follow soccer is, well, there's not enough points scored. Why, you know, game zero zero tie, and that's how it ends. That's not fun. Baseball can kind of be the same way, where it's not a whole lot of points are getting put up, and that can, you know, it doesn't uh, hold right, over but, really as well but, for fans. So I know soccer really well. My daughter's played high level soccer for a while. In fact, she's still mulling over whether or not she's going to be playing in college. But I know soccer w- really well now. So let's just take a zero zero draw, or even a one zero, you know, match win. You know, you guys as soccer fans will look at that and say, oh, that was phenomenal. You know, look at how many shots they had on goal. You know, look at the blocks that the goalie had. The little minute, you know, minute details in a soccer game are what soccer fans look for. It's the same thing with baseball. If there's a 1-0 game in baseball, chances are that it was a great pitching match. And 
baseball fans look at that stuff. Like Clevenger yesterday, had the bullpen not blown it, that would have been a gem. And he did pitch a gem, don't get me wrong. We love seeing that stuff. 12 strikeouts. I think he had one walk. He went six strong. I mean, that's absurd. I mean, that's baseball. So when you understand the interest, and yeah, I can't talk today. The I'm going to pass on that word. <laughs> we'll cut that out later. No, but when, when you understand the small things about baseball, which make it such a beautiful game, you can appreciate a 1-0 game. You don't need to see uh, 12 to you know 11 you know blowout match you know our our uh, game. I'm sorry, in baseball. Because it just doesn't happen all the time, and the steroid age is over. We don't have Barry Bonds being walked intentionally every time because he's going to hit a bomb if you throw it down the middle. And I see where you're coming from, but I don't think the problem the problem isn't about you know maintaining the love affair with baseball with all you know people that are already baseball fans. We we will appreciate the game for what it is. You know we we will take enjoyment out of out of the pitching duels. If baseball wants to, whether whether it is or isn't declining, if it wants to grow further into the future, it needs to be able to grab people who aren't already fans or big time fans. Well, I think this is also regional, Brandon, uh, because down here in Atlanta, Atlanta, Cobb County is a hotbed for baseball prospects. In fact, people move from all over the country to Cobb County so their kids can play baseball. And I I, that's not even an exaggeration. So I don't know what what sports you guys played growing up, but a lot soccer's growing in the United States oh, because sure. people are moving away from football, people are moving away from basketball, they're moving to soccer. Baseball in the cold weather states, you know, you can't play it year round. But down here, baseball has a stronghold. I see the game is very extremely strong. I'm a youth coach. I've been coaching for 10 years. I coach travel ball now. I see it. I see the talent. I don't see what you guys see and it just might be that you guys are in your mid-20s and i'm not i don't know but i don't see the game dying i just see it evolving and maybe it's just because you guys didn't grow up with it the way i did i don't know so what i was (laughs) what i was saying was that although points you know this is where this kind of gets offhand and and won't be nearly as popular i'm not saying this is the correct solution uh, I'm just saying this is an idea where if the league wanted to increase the amount of points scored per game to d- maybe draw interest without In fundamentally— In they're not called points. They're called runs. My apologies. I'm referring to <laughs> other games in which points are referenced for their number of of counting. So in, in this runs, this is the Uncle games. and the Young Bucks podcast. <laughs> uh, we know a lot about sports. <laughs> so if you want points, runs, goals, whatever your scoring measurement is to increase in baseball without it having to fundamentally change the game, here is how I solve this problem. It's not perfect. It is just an idea of how to make that number higher and maybe attract more people. Just like a PPR league in fantasy football, why don't we give points per hit? PPH. Change the dynamic of scoring within baseball. A single Are you talking about fantasy? No, I am talking about a real dang game. I am talking No way, about, man. I'm telling no you. No way. What, baseball, it, it could be changed entirely in terms of scoring in which yeah. a the single problem is point. You've got over a hundred years of history and baseball so tied to numbers and stats. You, you just, you can't do it. 
I mean, baseball is the one sport where numbers matter. Numbers matter. You can go through other sports. Tell me who the passing leader is in the NFL. Uh, all time or just uh, just recent? Just all, to all time. Pretty sure it's Peyton Manning. All right. If it is Peyton Manning, off the top of my head, I can't remember. But can you tell me how many yards? Um, not exactly, no. So I guess you got a point here. I mean, again, 715 was the number for home runs for the longest time. You know, we know who it was. It was Hank Aaron before Barry Bonds came along. We knew that 61 was Roger Maris's home run number. Numbers in baseball matter. They're magical in baseball. They matter. So you can't go and change things because all of a sudden, what, we're going to add a run because, you know, someone got a hit? Oh, he got a double. Let's give him two runs? I, it, it makes absolutely no sense. You can't change the scoring structure. It's you get a single, you advance to second, advance to third, you score. When you get home, that's one run. You can't change that because you would be changing the dynamics of the entire game so drastically, then it becomes something that it's not, and it becomes not baseball. But don't you think that games that end where one team has 11 hits in one run and one team has two hits in two runs, that that might miss, you know, it doesn't accurately represent how the game actually went, and that by changing potentially a scoring method, that it could more accurately represent the actual no talent no, that, skill that was displayed on the field that day. Because if you look at a box score, you can if if a team had eleven hits and one run, and the other team had two hits and three runs, you can look at the box score and see the nuance of the game and see how that happened. That's what makes baseball so beautiful. I mean, the argument could be said with any with any game teams that. You know, for football, if you double the yardage but have half the points and basketball, you could have, you know, a higher field goal percentage. But if you don't have the number of shots, it, it's all here nor there. But it's just a different type of thought to think about in terms of what might be coming into, you know, people's heads on how they can improve I mean, the game. It, the, but again, it's all about numbers. Numbers in baseball are magical. You know, 4256, Pete Rose, that's the number of hits in baseball. That's the most ever, you know. You've got stolen bases, Ricky Henderson, uh, 1,406, I think, if I'm, I'm remembering these off the top of my head. Um, I'm trying to remember, you know, Barry Bonds now has the most home runs at 762, but again, it was 755 before that with Hank Aaron, you know, but the, you know, it, it just, it goes on and on and on. It's all about the numbers. You can't change this stuff. You know, highest batting average was 367, Ty Cobb. You know, it's just in these a different are era of baseball, though. The numbers themselves matter, have changed. These like, numbers I, can transpose the over the numbers and the errors. I forget Each the era exact, has its place. I forget the exact comparison, but um, I don't know the exact number is what I'm referring to. But the record for triples in a season, uh, it was a ridiculously high number. It's what's considered probably the most impossible stat to ever be repeated again. It's just like the batting average. It's not what it used to be like people aren't hitting in the 300s anymore because all people are doing is changing their launch angle and hitting for home runs or striking out and i think that's well, a the, the game it. has changed you know because now we've introduced things like launch angle and exit velocity which is nonsensical i mean it's it, you know it, it truly is it's just another you know sabermetric measurement and you know it, it means not a lot a lot of newfangled baseball players love those but it really hasn't changed. We've just have names for them now. 
I mean, you're going to try to tell me that Barry Bonds was worried about exit velocity and, and launch angle? Hell no. When you got, got steroids in your ball. arms, you don't have to worry about much. Well, Barry, yes, Barry <laughs> Bonds, yes, Barry Bonds used steroids. No one will ever convince me otherwise. But he was always a phenomenal hitter, hitter before he, you know, had a head that was 10 times too big. <laughs> but, I mean, but that's what I'm saying, you know, Brandon, is that baseball doesn't fit in this neat little box. And I think what's happening here is is today's generation, and I say generation, to, I'm talking about uh, all generations, you know, as it's applied to baseball today, they're trying to change baseball into something it's not. Look, we have all these rule changes coming next year, and they're doing these rule changes to, you know, speed up the game, as they say. But again, a typical baseball game is no longer than the typical NFL game today. It's just not. The problem is the attention span of the spectator. They don't like the fact that they got to wait in between pitches or that the pitcher is waving off a, you know, a fastball because he wants to throw a curveball. And why is it taking 30 seconds in between pitches? Well, if you watch the game and you understand the game, it, there's beauty to be held on the, the baseball field. And that's why I said I think it's, it's lost on today's generation. I am adamantly against any changes that you just recommended brandon drew i don't know how you feel but i'm i'm pretty you know steadfast on my feelings about america's pastime absolutely you know i think i think you know growing up watching baseball um i compare it a lot to kind of how i feel about you know the sport that i grew up playing so much in soccer um you know a lot of a lot of people kind of you know, down soccer because, you know, oh, you're just kicking a ball around, running around the field, you stand around, you know, you're not really running that much. But, and, you know, I used to let that really affect me. Um, and the more, the more you, uh, you know, you look into it, um, you know, I, the when I finally realized that soccer wasn't, you know, wasn't a sport that, you know, people were going to like, um, and, and I looked at it more as like, as a soccer player, I was out there, you know, I basically, I was an artist creating, you know, something beautiful that people may not understand, but to, to the soccer player's eye, you know, that for what they're, what they're doing and what they're out there making is, you know, is, is something that they may only be able to see. And I think that's kind of how baseball is, you know. Baseball, soccer is the biggest sport in the entire world, and it's the fastest growing sport in the country other than maybe lacrosse. So your points are very valid, Drew. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think it, it compares a lot to to baseball, too. You know, baseball is something that not everybody's going to like. It's, you know, it's it's a different game than basketball that, you know, that that's constantly moving football, you know, in between plays. Yeah, you got some time, but. You know, there's a, it's a diff, different atmosphere at a football game. Baseball is just something that, you know, if, if you don't like it, you're not going to like it. You know, it, it's probably not going to matter what we change. Um, if somebody doesn't like it, they're not, they're not going to like it. And the, the ones of us that, that love it for what it is don't want to see it changed because you start changing and, and, something too much yeah. and it's not the same. And we shouldn't change it. See, we shouldn't change it for a vocal minority. You know, just because there's people say, oh, I hate baseball, it's too boring, or, you know, they come in the third inning and leave by the seventh, you know, baseball's not for them. We shouldn't change the game for them, you know. 
understand understand that there's a lot of money in baseball and a lot of the changes that are being implemented this year and next year are due to you know revenue streams you know but that's again i we're changing it for the wrong reasons absolutely i agree i totally agree i think we should leave it i think we can make small changes you know it doesn't you know necessarily affect too much of the you know the structure of it but to, to start messing with you know the integrity of, of baseball it, it's just gonna it's gonna change it too much and i think you you may lose you know some people that that love it for what it is well you know what i know drew and this and, and brandon is that right now they're playing the game the way they always have they haven't changed very much over the past couple decades i'm very happy about that but the indians finish out a series with chicago tomorrow they got toronto coming uh, in town uh, for a four-game set, and then it's right back. We've got Detroit and Kansas City, so we're playing in the division, uh, you know, back-to-back here coming up. So we got an exciting week of baseball. By the time next week rolls around, we'll have a lot of baseball to talk about. Uh, but that gives, you know, talking about change, let's segue into something else that we were going to talk about, and that's these – I've got an issue with uh, player edits and uniform uh, mock-ups. And uh, so basically what, why I'm aggravated with this as an illustrator, as, as a graphic designer, I'm guilty. I'll say it right now. I'm guilty of it. I've done it before, but it's tried. It's, it's just gotten old. It's gotten stale. Uh, we just got OBJ this past week. And before anything could be said, I saw probably two dozen really poor Photoshop edits that were put out there on social media. And before you know it, they're caught like wildfire and they're, they're gone off to the masses and they do it for clicks. And I get it. Some of them are better than others. Some of them aren't, but it's just guys, Hey, they're going to be in uniform in August. Do I need to see OBJ in a, in a Browns Jersey now when I know he's going to be in a Browns Jersey in August, the one that drove me the most nuts was OBJ's famous one handed catch down by the end zone. And they, that's a giants moment. That's not a Browns moment. And they put him in a Browns Jersey and I'm like, no, didn't like it. Brandon? Uh, yeah, I need to see OBJ in every different color uniform we have. <laughs> I need him in the 2020 uniforms now. I want the catch. I want uh, his headbutt with the uh, the net. I want it in a Browns <laughs> uniform. I want the Avengers mock-up. Uh, I want every single edit mock that they could possibly it, think of and dream of because I'm a funny. dreamer and I need yeah, it. it. It's funny, Brandon, because I mean I've done I've done it before. In fact, I did one of Sammy Watkins before he was drafted coming out of Clemson that was actually on NFL Network. I was really proud of it, and then he ended up not going to us. He went to the Buffalo Bills, and you know it's kind of like okay, that's just a little note in history that no one's going to even remember. And I just sat there and I thought back about it, and I was like, why did I do that? Why did I, did I do it? Because I was just trying to show off my Photoshop skills and the fact that I'm an artist and and a an art director. It didn't make sense to me then, and, and it makes no sense to me now. And quite frankly, my time, other than honing my skills, my time could be spent doing something else than taking OBJ in a Giants uniform and transforming it into a Browns uniform. I just kind of, it's grown stale on me. So one thing that I do think needs to be put into consideration here um, and, and I, I remember talking to you about this cause in our group, our group, uh, Twitter chat, I had sent around a, a picture and this was the Avengers thing I was referring to, 
I had sent around a an edit somebody had made in which it looks like the cover for the original You're gonna uh, put Avengers, me on the spot, aren't you? Uh, original Avengers you Infinity War. And and you know, it looked really cool to me. And I thought I'd share it with the group because we're all Browns fans. We're excited. It's an edit. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'd let uh, I'd like to hear Eric's take on it. I think it's really cool, unique. And I think that you being, and this is meant as a total compliment, you being such a professional when it comes to this type of work, I think can also, you know, turn you off to some of the quicker done, uh, less time put into edits that people make on the spot, which is, you know, some of the most fun and entertaining edits for me are those people that, you know, turn around and have OBJ in that Browns jersey in 10 seconds, even though it might not be the best. It's funny because it's there, it's quick, and then we know there's going to be a million more to follow. I know perhaps that 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 might be skewed because you actually, and I remember you like pointed out a million things to me like, oh, you know, maybe the lines weren't, uh, you know, weren't as good as what they could have been or, you know, something here. And I'm like, I never thought of it from that perspective because to me, it's like, this is amazing. Well, you'll never hear me, dog. Uh, another professional uh, or another artist work, you know, but there are there are a lot of times these are put out and they're put out in haste. Um, and as a professional, I'm also a perfectionist and I'm very meticulous when I do my work. And and so when I screw up something, it, it drives me nuts for a long time. But what I look for, it's not criticism, it's critiquing. And, you know, there's things I look at and I see, oh, man, I could have, you know, I would have done this different, not necessarily better, but different. Or I would have taken more time doing this. And like, you know, there's a ton of great ones. You talked about the the Avengers one, uh, the the Avengers contenders Browns poster that somebody April did. 26th, which, by the way, I'm really excited about to go see. But anyhow, it's, we will it's discuss a, that on a future podcast, by the way. We yes. will. I, we're going to have to do a whole podcast on the Avengers. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, it, it's you know, I just get tired of seeing it and. And it's I'm not hating. I'm not hating on it. It's just I don't get it anymore. It, it it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't excite me. It does excite Twitter. It does excite Facebook. You see them shared, you know, a million different times. But it just gets old. Drew. Yeah. I need to know. I need no. to know. Are you are you are you with the side of the young bucks? A proud Twitter goer, <laughs> a young individual millennial, or are you with the old guy? I think I'm closer to the old guy. Oh, man. You're I, a sure, young buck, I tell you. <laughs> I, this so, is a topic where I got to say, uncle, uncle, no more, <laughs> uncle, no mas. <laughs> no more. You know, it's just, it's, it's just too much. I think, I think a, some of them are realistic in, you know, the mock-ups and designs, but probably 99% of them, you're looking, you're like, there's absolutely no way that that would ever be a reasonable option for a Cleveland Browns football team, this team that's built on, you know, such a historic tradition. And I think that's why we're going to see, you know, something more of the old style Browns unis next, next well, uh, Baker, spring. Baker Did saw you him see yesterday. the mock-up reveal? Huh? Well, yeah, Baker got to see him, so it looks like, and it, if I heard correctly, there is going to be a color rush and an alternate uh, jersey, so that's that's good news. 
All uh, I'm saying is the guy raised his eyebrows in in comfort of knowing that that would be something he's going to be wearing on primetime television, potentially while we're playing in a playoff he's game. He's a great actor. You know what it was? There was this blank whiteboard, and they said, Baker, now we'll <laughs> say this. We want you to act surprised. <laughs> no, but, but that's the other, the other thing, guys. Not not just the player edits, but the, the uniform mock-ups. I mean, it's kind of, you know, yes, there's some great creativity going out there, but I have a feeling that the uniform mock-ups is what led to the the oranges, oranges, the grotesque version of our uniforms that's on the field today. The only redeeming qualities that our uniform has today is the helmet. I actually kind of like what they did with the helmet. They thickened the brown stripe. They gave it the matte or what they call a sheen look to it, which was supposed to be like what the, the Vikings did, but the orange doesn't show that quite as much. I actually love the brown face mask. I, I think they got the helmet right. I think they took the helmet in a good direction without changing it too much. The Color Rush Browns jersey is phenomenal. But then you go and see all these these mock-ups out there, and and I think, again, I think that the Nike <laughs> took someone's mock-up and made the uniform. And I, I just, guys, let's just appreciate what we have right now. We're going to get new uniforms in 2020. We're not going to have any say over what is going to go on in 2020. I think the only thing that we can bank on is that they're not going to touch the helmet too much. I think other than that, we're going to have a brown jersey. We're going to have an orange jersey. We're going to have a white jersey. And I think that's we can all pretty much bank on that. Is the alternate going to be gray? I think it would be pretty cool if it was. But oh, well, that's interesting. Now you got me thinking I need to see a gray markup. <laughs> but, but again, guys, you know, not to, not to be cliche here, but again, uncle, uncle, I don't need to see any more, guys. Let's be surprised. And, and a lot of it is it, it's clickbait. You know, people want the clicks. And I'll admit when I – would put a piece of artwork out there. I don't do it very much anymore uh, because of theft. But, you know, when I put a piece of artwork out there, it feels good when someone puts that heart on your tweet or comes back and says, hey, man, this is awesome. You should make a T-shirt out of it. That's awesome. I've done that stuff. But I don't need to do it, you know. And it's just, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just a different cat. I just don't need to see it. I'll wait until the Browns give me the right, the, the real thing. All right. Well, guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, whether you're listening to this in the morning, midday, later in the evening, we really appreciate anyone who had taken the time to make it this far through the podcast. We look forward very much to talking to you guys in the future. We plan on hopefully having all these podcasts out every week, once a week, hopefully being produced and available for you guys by Wednesday morning. We'll let you know when this podcast goes live, and uh, we look forward to hearing your guys' feedback as we process through this fun journey of Cleveland and Ohio State sports. Have a good one, everybody. See ya.